Get it? Ghost Mike. Boo! Because it's Halloween. Your reference. What are you going to be for Halloween this year? Is that a surprise? Um, no, I'm going to be. I've, I've told several people. Okay. Um, and I really need to buckle down and finish the costume. But uh, Mario as a Ghostbuster. I'm in love with everything you just said. Mm-hmm. There was one day I was headed to a Starbucks opening shift and I saw this couples in costume that they were dressed as Mario and Luigi, but they had little cardboard cars around them. Oh, the go-karts for like Mario Kart. And they each had three balloons. And I was like, I'm in love. like And like helium balloons, so they're Mm -hmm. up. And I'm like, I love Mario Kart. That's the favorite costume I've ever seen. So um I'm obsessed with Mario Kart mm-hmm. and specifically Princess Peach because she's the fastest and also mm-hmm. the chick. So I love the fact that those two things combined. I also do a great – the only impression I do is Princess Peach. I don't do any – and <laughs> Princess Peach in Mario Kart. I don't do any other impressions. Well. Let's go. <laughs> Here great. we go. <laughs> All right. Yeah, Peachy's got it. Oh. Peachy's got it. Oh, no. <laughs> Um, I bet you could probably guess who I would be in Mario Kart. Luigi? God, no. Mario? No. Oh, who? Wario. Come on. Okay. All right. I'm totally Wario. Okay. I didn't know you were that uh, evil. Oh, yeah. Totally. The evil twin. Is that the Mm -hmm. the goatee happening? Yeah, that's why I have a goatee right now. It's just just because I'm evil Mario. Uh, No, because he was like... Big, but not so big as like Bowser, where you couldn't move him, because mm. that was what I hated the most. Bowser and 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 Donkey Kong were like, mm. y'all move. Yeah, because I just hated when you get, you get hit as a smaller character and just spin out. Ugh. That was the most annoying thing in the world to me. Yeah. So, um, so I really want to go as Princess Peach some year, um, but all the Princess Peach costumes are all either slutty Princess Peach. Mm-hmm. Or super dowdy. Yeah. And like, I think I have to make my own. Yeah. You, you want something like kind of in between. Just flattering, yeah. but not like skanky. Yeah. Ready? Okay. Let's go. Great. Let's go. Let's go. Here we go. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I'm a warrior. I'm going to win. <laughs> Hi, I'm Kristen. And I'm Mike. And we're lost in the Sunnydale stack. This is the Sunnydale Stacks, where every other week we immerse ourselves in the world of Sunnydale, California, and review two episodes of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. This week, we're dusting off Primeval and Restless. We have a stacker question this week from Elle, who asks, which relationship would you have loved to see last into the very ending of Chosen? P.S. Love the podcast. And we love you. Thanks. Thanks for listening. Um, well, I think it's obvious we want, uh, uh Willow and Moloch. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny because I was going to make the joke like, clearly I want Parker to stick around. <laughs> He's the best. Parker. Whose eyebrows am I going to make fun of, Clem? <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, but my actual answer. Should we, uh, th- should we announce spoilers? Um, because I mean, my- chosen, we're lasting till chosen. Mine isn't terribly much of a, a spoiler. Okay. Um, cause you can kind of already guess that this doesn't happen. Great. Um, would be Giles 
and Olivia. Yeah. Because I feel I like miss that her. wasn't well developed and it would have given Giles something to do in later seasons where yeah. I guess kind of spoilers. He doesn't have that much to do in the last couple seasons. Um, and that's interesting in light of our episodes today because mm-hmm. I have some questions about Olivia yeah. and how they relate to Restless. Mm-hmm. So that'll that'll be a fun yeah, discussion. That'll, that'll come up. And I just feel like it would have opened up a lot of story possibilities and just having somebody who's clearly not involved in the magic world mm. be like a recurring character is always nice because that can be kind of an outside influence. You and I think similarly, sir. Uh oh. Um I I had a similar thought where I I you know, like after season four, um I just Giles doesn't have any buddies outside of the Scooby gang. No. And they're a good thirty years younger than him more. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I I just I need him to have an adult buddy. Mm-hmm. He deserves to have a life outside of these children. Yeah. Likewise, I feel like other characters hint hint. <laughs> I want to see them have a life outside of Buffy, the character. Mm-hmm. Um, so I said, this is such a, such a selfish thing. So, um, Elle did not specify a romantic relationship. Okay. So I said Joyce and Giles. Of course. Of course. Because A, that means that Joyce lives until season seven. Oh. Uh, which I just, I, like all of my notes were like, okay, but Joyce and who? Yeah. Joyce and Spike were in the running because they have a great friendship and I loved be. it. Just them pal it around. Yeah. But I also, I just. Road trip. <laughs> that would be great. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I just, I, I want Giles to have a buddy his age, mm-hmm. even if it's not romantic. Like, yeah. I, I want him to be able to have adult conversations that you don't have with 20 year olds. Yeah. Like, he, he could reference something that happened before 1990 and it wouldn't just be blank face. Right. And I want the same for Joyce because we stopped seeing her interact until she starts dating in season five. And yeah. That's very short lived. Um, mm-hmm. we stopped seeing her interact with anyone outside of her children. Yeah. Um, we, this season, we have not seen a lot of her period at all, which I kind of get, especially earlier on. Cause that's the kind of thing of when you go off to college, a lot of times you kind of like lose touch with not only your friends back home, but even your family. Sometimes if you're, Maybe not so much if you're literally like a probably a 10 minute drive away. But, you know, if you're in out of state college, you might only see your family on, you know, the holidays or. Sure. But she doesn't even go home for Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah. Which is weird because it's not a far journey. No. And we I know they have that weird, like some kind of explanation of it in that episode. Sure. So. Aunt that we never met. So, yeah. First choice, Joyce and Giles romantically, because I do mm-hmm. think that that would have been an amazing relationship. Second choice, Joyce and Giles, not romantically, just good adult friends that they both deserve. And then third choice, Joyce and Spike, because awesome friendship. And let's just give Joyce around. So you basically, you you hacked this question into which character you want to survive until the end of the series. Yes. No, exactly. That's the only thing I thought of. Actually, you weren't thinking about that. That's the literally my only response to this question. All of my potential answers. I feel like a lot of these, these types of questions. A lot of these types of questions, um, I'll tend to answer in like, what are the story possibilities? And you're like, I like that person. That person <laughs> shouldn't have died yeah. in a very like moral sense. And it's just, that's interesting. <laughs> you're approaching from very like writers, artistic mm-hmm. television yeah. standpoint. And I'm like, friends are great. Yeah. Let's have friends and be Friendship nice. Friendship is magic. <laughs> now let's head into the Sunnydale stacks and open the books on Primeval. 
so Buffy's rejected her friends. But she still wants her boyfriend's help. Yay. She goes to the high school to look for him, but he's gone to see Adam alone. Bum, bum, bum. This was apparently a big cliffhanger. This is a thing. So at the end of the last episode, he just like shows up at Adam's Mm -hmm. and then like cuts to black. I was expecting you. Bum, bum, bum. Cuts to black. And then immediately when we cut to see him in Adam's Mm -hmm. company now, I feel like I missed a scene. Did you feel that way? Mm. But like they're immediately like, I can't move. I'm like, wait, did we have we had like I so I guess the activating the chip in his heart, which I get that's a whole other thing. In his heart. In his heart, Mike. It's in his heart. Yeah, I get it. That's that's where love lives. It's not where your your <laughs> the actual like way you'd control somebody's body <laughs> make any sense to me. Because, um, you know, like the brain is the one that sends the signals, not the heart. But your heart controls your love. <sighs> it's, if it was a magical chip, but it's a science chip, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> pretty sure Maggie, Maggie Walsh wasn't putting little pieces of Stonehenge in a chip. And it his heart. Um, but aside from that, which is a whole nother bag of worms, um, <laughs> So I guess what we're supposed to believe is that when he activates the chip, it's like, come to home base. The homing beacon, yeah. And then just stand there, maybe say one sentence, and wait until further instruction. That's the thing. It's the fact that he's standing there, and if, I feel like we're missing that scene. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just immediately immediate assumption that, like, oh, he can't move. And I'm like, it, uh, wait, did I miss? Yeah, there's, Did I miss something? Like, it's weird because... And very obviously, the cliffhanger from the week before is supposed to make you think, oh, no, is Riley secretly evil? But it doesn't make sense Mm. from his perspective to just be like, well, I'm here and not like, what the fuck is happening? Why am I here? But he can't talk. But he can say, I'm here? Is that like a code word in the that the chip makes him say? Uh, I don't know. You know how this whole... Season of Buffy, I've been saying Mark Lucas gets a bad rap because mm-hmm. he's actually a decent actor. Yeah. I take it back. <laughs> I t- at least this episode, I take yeah. it back. This is really bad. He's he's not good at acting mind-controlled. Yeah, he's just standing really awkward. Yeah. His hands are being held at mm-hmm. a weird thing. It's really like anytime you give him non-contracted mm-hmm. verbs, yeah. I am a man. What have you done to me? <laughs> and, it, and that a couple things actually this in this episode made it feel like I think it would have been a much cooler if very out of left field reveal if it was just like, oh, no, Riley's a robot. Would have been cool. That would have been great. Actually, it would have been really interesting yeah. with the whole like taking vitamins on time mm-hmm. and waking up to do push ups. Yeah. Fine. And that it would have all been like that was like his secret programming telling him what to do. Mike. Mike, Mike, what? Mike. What? Mike. What? Mike. What? That would have saved us from season five, Riley. Oh, God. <laughs> yes, if you're uh, listening to podcasts and you haven't watched season five, uh, just a warning. Uh, if you like Riley, you are not going to like the season. If you hate Riley, you might like it on a very kind of like Vengeful. catty hate watch level. <laughs> that's like, yeah, Ooh. that's what you get. Character I don't like. Oof. So Wash put a chip in Riley's chest to modify his behavior. When? When he, when he was sleeping? Did How? you do you sleep through surgery? How is he not aware that he went through surgery? Yeah, he would have had a wound with a bandage. They going through his throat into his heart. I just, uh, right? I no, I don't know. No, no, this none of this is 
They put it in him when he was a robot because he's a robot. Yeah, that's a much better explanation. And usually it it is th- one of the dumber explanations like, oh, no, they were secretly a robot. It's sad when that is a much better explanation. Right? Yeah. <laughs> So Adam thinks that demons are uselessly obsessed with the ancient ways mm-hmm. and humans are weak, mm-hmm. but mother will deliver us. Del- okay, here's 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 my problem. Deliver you from what? From what's the, what? What's your problem, Adam? <laughs> like the demons are happy being into ancient things and humans are happy the way deliver us. Who's us? Because you're the only one of your kind. Yeah. From what? Just to be like a pompous asshole? He just wants everyone to be pompous assholes like, like him. Like, deliver us from mediocrity? Eh? Okay. Like, at least to be like, find to, if he said, like, to, like, yeah, if he had said something like, mother will raise us up above mm-hmm. these, this weakness. Yeah. Okay. That at least makes logical sense. Mm-hmm. Deliver us. Meaning save us. Yeah. From what? I, that's, Again, one of the biggest problems that Adam is like, what in <laughs> what, what is he going and why what does he want you? it? What is going on? I'm not saying I have to agree with the character, but no, I no, should, no. there should at least be like a motivation that makes some kind of sense. Right. Like I see your motivation. It's wrong. You're terrible. But still. And it's not like a weird like uh HP Lovecraft thing where it's like their motivations are much far beyond what we could know. It's like, no, this dude no. is just like a pompous asshole who I guess wants to make more of himself. Okay, so like the mayor. Yeah. The mayor wanted to be a giant snake Mm -hmm. to have like the ultimate power slash kill people. I get that. It's a terrible motivation. It's awful. You are a terrible semi-human being. Guys, don't do that at home. Don't do that. But I get it. Yeah. I understand what you're... I understand the words that you're putting together make sense and are terrible. Mm -hmm. Even like... The Joker wants, in, like, The Dark Knight, wants chaos. I get that. Fine. Great. Team up with What's-His-Face from Jurassic Park. You got a movie. (laughs) And then you add Ethan Rain. Oh, my God, Mike. This is the ultimate crossover. Are you ready? You ready? Are you ready? Yeah. You got the Joker. Mm Mm-hmm. Malcolm from Jurassic Park. Yeah. And Ethan Rain. They're going to team up to take over the world. I would watch that so hard. So hard, Mike. I, th- I, th- I think that uh, 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 Jeff Goldblum in Jurassic Park just studied chaos. He wasn't like, I want to bring about chaos to the world. I mean, but he'd be fascinated by the Joker. He'd be following around. He'd be, this is great. This is a great movie. Write it. We got to write this. I don't want to talk about Primeval anymore. I want to write this movie. This is just your excuse to stop talking about Primeval. It is. It really is. <laughs> uh, I think this is a good time to bring up. Another thing, because we see Spike in the scene. Why are we not constantly calling Spike chips for brains? <laughs> Why aren't we doing that? Why has that not been established? <laughs> so many wasted opportunities. You know what? Sorry, guys. If you we're already listened to and liked most of the season, we're just going to restart. We're going to start over. And just call him chips for brains every time. <laughs> and just not even mention Adam. <laughs> Uh, so Adam wants uh, just a lot of demons and a lot of humans to die. Again, that's um, fine. Okay. Uh, so the demons are going to kill the humans, but he needs Buffy to kill a bunch of demons mm-hmm. to even the score. How to get the Slayer into the initiative where all those pesky demons are locked mm-hmm. up. Well, you know, she could follow the information on those encrypted disks. Yeah. You know, the, the, the disk that Willow encrypted. You know, Willow. Willow. You know, Willow. The yeah, one that. Yeah. 
the one that's not speaking to Buffy. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I did like this. Yeah. I did like this realization. Uh, oh, shit. Yeah. And again, Spike saves an otherwise terrible scene. Mm-hmm. It's just yeah. his delivery of this is like, all right, fine. Yeah, I'll, I'll take it. Let me. He goes and tries to take care of business. Um, although I feel like it, it might have been easier for him to just, you know, ask Adam for like, hey, can I borrow like two demons, kidnap Xander, and bring him down to the initiative? So that they all go down to save him? Yeah. You're still uniting them inadvertently. I I don't know if necessarily Buffy's going to grab the whole team. But she would still need Will. I mean, if she needs to go down to the initiative to save him, she would still need the discs from Willow to get there. Okay, then take Willow and just make sure that the laptop's like open when you take her. I feel like information. go to Willow and be like, hey, Buffy, you know, stupid Buffy. I'm not her errand boy. She mm-hmm. demanded those discs from you or mm. the information from you. She said it was her property. Mm. But I want to get paid, so can you just give them to me already? That would probably work better. Yeah, he he, he definitely dropped the ball on this last last bit of. Uh, Thank goodness. Yeah. Uh, so meanwhile, Willow and Tara show up at a very hungover Giles's. Oh, he's a, a fluffy little robe. I like. Is it just me, or does it seem like maybe it's just weird editing that I'm reading into? Hmm. That like Tara's kind of crushing on Giles in this scene. So I was going to ask you, um, this scene is, I mean, there's a lot of awkwardness mm-hmm. here. Um, I th- just think it's come, it comes from the fact that they just had like a huge fight. Yeah. And not the fact that he's like in a robe or that he found out that they're gay together. Mm-hmm. I honestly think that he's just like. It's, it's just, it's just terror that I'm not reading that on. And I think it's, it's something in the editing of it. Mm. Cause I don't think it's, it's Amber Benson's performance necessarily. They're just like, maybe they're trying to get that she's just doing the like, I'm awkwardly smiling cause I don't know what to do. That's but what it, I read. Yeah. Yeah. But it just, it read more as like, Oh, this is that Giles. And I remember seeing him sing and we were all crushing on him. And then. he's currently only wearing a robe. Yeah. And it was like really weird to me okay. that that's how it read. And I was like, that, that can't be right. Oh, see, I felt like because she wasn't in the middle of the fight that she's less. Yeah, this like, is kind of a little bit of a normal day for me. Yeah, it's like, oh, hey, that guy's wearing a robe. This is fun. <laughs> Buffy and Xander are both like super sad and depressed. Mm-hmm. Um, Buffy's not leaving her dorm and she's just staring at Willow's bed and Xander's Aww. not leaving bed, which is what I do when I get depressed. Mm-hmm. And Anya, Anya, Anya's really cute. Aww, she's so she just sweet. crawls in a bed and tells him she loves him. Mm-hmm. And I do love the very Anya line. It was hours ago. Get over it. I know. I like her lifting up the... Um, the covers comfort, and yeah. being like, well, they're not even going to interview if you're not wearing pants. <laughs> Buffy returns to the cave alone while Adam continues to reveal his master plan to Riley. Awesome. Yay. Like, I, he, th- uh. <laughs> I think that's that noise right there perfectly sums up everything about the Adam storyline in this season. Pretty much. It's, I mean, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> okay, like, so he thinks they're brothers. So, like, the, him revealing his plan is really him, like, Look, brother, at this like future that we're gonna have together because we're a team. But it just is like old school super villain revealing the entire plot. And the oh. whole thing of him like calling Riley brother would mean so much more if they had any actual connection to each other, other than just like Maggie created us both. But it's not like Riley was ever cool with that. I actually think I'd be fine with that. Because it, he weirdly calls Maggie mommy mm-hmm. and that like 
and that like I think he really she programmed him to be like this is the plan. It includes yeah. Riley, whether he likes it or not. Mm-hmm. It's the fact that Forrest calls him brother that diminishes it. That that also I think is a mistake. And um, like has always called him brother, hasn't he? Like it doesn't feel unnatural mm-hmm. that he's doing it this episode. I think he's been doing that all season. Yeah, it feels like if you're gonna have a relationship where two people are like brothers, they should only be those two people or like make a thing of it of like we are brothers. Right. Instead of having to be two separate instances of we're like brothers. But yeah, he's had this whole squad it. of brothers this entire season. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's just, it's very muddled. So now Adam's plan involves creating a master race. I guess. So now he's not Manson, but he's Hitler. Except instead of like believing he, I guess that he does. He believes he is the master race and everyone else has to be. Mm-hmm. That's one of those things is like, does he want to take over the world? I th- I mean, yeah, he wants guys. everyone to be like he is, where he's part demon mm-hmm. and part human. So there's no more fighting. It's going to bring us all together. Right? No? Or does he just want, like, more of him to feed on the people? Or we'll It's never wrong. Like, no more human weakness because we'll be have the strength of demons. Is it like a Cyberman thing where he wants everyone to be this? And then it's just a whole world of atoms? That's what I think. Okay. Yes, exactly that. I guess. Just like you have to be like, again, very Hitler. Yeah. Everyone has to be the master race and mm-hmm. be just like me. But I feel like that could be done so much more clearly. Oh, I agree. I'm not <sighs> I'm not supporting this plot line. I'm just trying <laughs> to understand it. Yeah. Yeah, and he never really uh, uh, let's just move on. Great. Adam's turned Maggie and the evil scientist dude into cyborg zombie With things. Giant, humorous tubes. I just a giant weirdo tubes and then like clearly he's messed with their spine, so the posture is yeah, like super distracting. Little duck walks. <laughs> I don't like it. Yeah. He says this was Maggie's plan all along, which I kind of just can't believe. Yeah, She's a very smart person. And it seemed like maybe she wanted to build more atoms to fight monsters. That would make sense. Sure. But there's nothing to lead me to believe that she was like, I'm going to make this guy and then we're all going to be this guy. Yeah, right? No, I mm -mm. No. So Forrest is also alive, but now he's part yellow demon. With vampire teeth. Yeah, he's got fresh banana flavor <laughs> all over his body. <laughs> oh, buddy, that's called jaundice. <laughs> oh, that's not even. That's just a guy that did not eat well. Um, I always remember there being like more Frankenforest. Like, it's weird. I always think of like him appearing in more than one episode as like the monster um, version. No, which I think would have been more interesting to like maybe not get the full scope of the plan, but make it like. A more personal thing for Riley, an episode earlier, or episode two earlier. Yeah. And then have it be, because the reveal of this giant secret plan feels very rushed. It does. It's like, it really, I mean, like, we have had a lot of Monster in the Weeks with mm-hmm. Adam filtered in little scenes throughout yeah. this season where he doesn't seem like super a threat and why are mm-hmm. you wasting time on him? Yeah. And then all of a sudden this season is like, oh, remember this dude? Here's a bunch of exposition. Yeah. Let's, let's hurry this up. We, we gotta get to the the next episode. Which get don't get me wrong, I am not encouraging more Adam this no. season. But I I do feel like the Adam we had to get could have been much uh, better. Like the pace, sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. The I mean, I would try to ground build him, rebuild him from the ground up. Maybe use some different parts. 
Um, <laughs> I remember like Bryce- him, like having this kind of complaint season two, though, where it seemed like Angelus happened mm-hmm. yeah. in Innocence. And then like Buffy kind of ignored, like he was in the background. She kind of ignored yeah. him for a bunch of episodes and then came back in a big way at the end. Mm-hmm. Like it, it did. This was a problem in season two yeah. as well. Although there didn't bug me as much, A, because Angelus just said inherently much more interesting character. Mm-hmm. And B, I think it's more in that character to come up with a giant plan very quickly. And also more in Buffy's character in that case to have the personal connection and be like, I'm going to kind of avoid him because yeah. I'm not super keen on killing mm-hmm. the love of my life. Yeah. And again, like one thing I've thought about multiple times this episode and even when there's the cameo in the next episode, why for the love of God is Adam not part somebody they know? Yeah, because if great. you're having somebody made out of different parts of humans and demons, yeah, why not have part of him be a even somewhat established character? What if he was part Parker? If that meant that they tore up Parker and used him for bits and only used his eyebrows, so that the the penultimate episode ends with uh, Buffy basically tearing out Parker's heart and imploding it in a black hole. Hey, writers, we fixed it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like he's got so much power these eyebrows we can't control them <laughs> just rip them off like, like his eyebrows are the other thing that turns into a chain gun <laughs> <laughs> so buffy conveniently runs into spike in the caves who conveniently mentions that the disc conveniently might help her and conveniently knows that she and willow fought Oh, Spike, you're losing it. He's he's not not as quite the manipulative gen- genius he was last yeah. last episode. Well, I do think it is kind of funny how it, the only thing that really uh, gives him away directly to Buffy is the uh, since you do have that falling out because yeah he did not think out why would I know that he's flustered like, he just wants his fucking chip out yeah poor little guy can't bite nobody's necks. Meanwhile, those discs self decrypted. Why? Was this in part in the orig- of the original plan? They weren't. I think it was mumble the jumbo mm-hmm. and then Adam just set a timer so like so that he could f- he could plan out when they would break the code and therefore uh, get into the initiative. But then when he gave it to Spike, he was supposed to then break up the group after it decoded. That's what I don't get. It's like mm-hmm. the timeline of this thing self-decrypts so that they get the information and he's sure they get the information. Mm-hmm. But then why does he also like here, give this to them and also break them up? That's the thing is that what was at, like if Adam's all critical of Spike, me like you broke them up, yeah. but then how's Buffy going to get this information from Willow? It's like, okay, does, but what, what is your plan? Cause you wanted hit them to break up. Did Adam assume that the discs were just going to go bu- to Buffy directly and she was going to decrypt them? If so, like, then you don't know the Slayer, bitch. Like, yeah, she didn't like, do the computer thing. Yeah, you did not do your research on your enemy. And yeah. you're, like, super perceptive and you're able to see through Jonathan's magic and turn your arm into a chain gun. Like, how did you not yeah. do the basic research of, hey, only one of these people is really good with computers? She's like, I'm tired. I've done enough. Okay. But humans are good with technology. I right, should just guys? be able to delegate. No, he's racist. Because he talks about how like demons are this thing, humans are this thing. He oh, thinks yeah. that all humans are just like, they're all just good with technology. Did you not hear me call him Hitler? <laughs> I, I don't think it comes to any surprise. Hitler, bit of a racist. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it just. He wins uh, the gold trophy in racist. 
Oh, um, I hope they don't give that out because you should have <laughs> right. <getting> prizes. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's just, it's very, like so many things in Adam's plan and character. And even this episode to some degree is just, I don't get the, the plan. No, it's very unclear. Yeah. Um, there is a scene with some really bad acting by Forrest. Uh, in his defense, the dialogue is just terribly written. Yeah, I can just imagine too, like, okay, so it's your last episode. You're going to be in big yellow makeup. Take this ridiculous dialogue. Make it work. He's like, okay, I guess. I mean, uh, okay. okay. I'm getting paid, right? Oh, it's <laughs> fine. The Scoobies meet up and realize that Spike played them all. These discs laid out Adam's plan for a new race. And he wants Buffy to know about it. They decide to combine forces to defeat Adam. Oh, the original Fab Four. They, they break into the initiative by rappelling down the elevator shaft. Kind of Batman, Adam West style. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I still, the entire time I was wondering, I'm still going back to Hush, mm-hmm. when Maggie said, in case of emergency, use the stairs. Red stairs. Yeah. Red stairs. That, that one, that one joke has led to so many weird continuity issues <laughs> in this season, yeah. which is like, I knew they, they probably had no idea that anyone would be it, analyzing it this closely, but yeah, that joke has kind of ruined a lot of continuity in this, in this season. Stuck alone in a concrete chimney together, Buffy and Willow apologize for being too self-focused this Aww. year. They got a lot of shit going on. I feel like that's all of us at this age. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. So many friends. I'm like, I know you had this big thing happen in this mm-hmm. past month and I didn't check in on that. And then I, I ditched you for these plans and I didn't make up those plans. Well, and especially when it's your, your first kind of experience being on your own and like really in a sense making your own schedule in a way where in high school, there's a certain amount that is very much like most of my friends are going to be people from high school that I will see at least once during the day because of the structure of high school. Right. But when you're off in college doing your own thing, and also especially if there's people that aren't going to the same college as you, mm-hmm. but you still want to stay friends, it's – yeah, it's just natural. Yeah. It's just hard. And I just feel like this is adulthood where every mm-hmm. week I'm like, hey, sorry I didn't respond to that email. Just it's been, a, it's been a whole week, guys. It's been a busy week. I'm sorry. Seven days. Yeah. It's, 24 hours each day. Shit is happening. Week. I got clean. It's mm-hmm. – it. you know, this was easier. My mom was doing it for me. <laughs> I do – hate that because of the movie The Room, I cannot take mm. anybody in any movie or TV show saying somebody's name, you're my best friend, seriously? <laughs> so when they say, Willow, you're my best friend, I'm just like, best friends! Best friends! Because <laughs> that's what you do when you watch The Room. Oh, yeah. No. Yeah. I'm 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 well uh, versed in The Room. I have a signed <laughs> DVD copy. Oh, yeah. yeah. When the gang finally get the elevator doors open, the initiative is waiting for them that iconic like looking down at these scoobies with all the guns pointed at them Mm -hmm. shot adam is pissed at spike for allowing buffy to reunite with the scoobies spike runs after putting out his cigarette in Forrest's eye which is pretty badass fine except did you notice the tear rolling down Forrest's cheek afterwards it's because he was in love it's so sad why are you running from me spike (laughs) I just imagine some like really WBCW song. Like, did you ever feel like breaking down? Did you ever feel out of place? Slow tear down like his cheek. you just don't belong. Yeah. So that happened. Yeah. 
Mr. Cartoony Colonel doesn't believe Buffy. <laughs> That's surprise. basically his dialogue. Yeah, essentially. I just tune him out. Uh, power goes out while the humans are locked in and the demons are released from their cages. So the power goes out mm-hmm. and the doors are activated electronically because mm-hmm. they've, they've got like the fancy keys, keyboard systems yeah. that I get specifically all the doors in the facility are unlocked mm-hmm. except for the exit doors, which yeah. are locked and they have no way of opening them. Mm-hmm. This is the worst fire code hazard I've ever heard of. Yeah. I imagine it's something I, I would like to believe that maybe it's like a fail safe precaution of something were to get out of hand that Adam was able to activate. Of course, you know, if you have sensitive materials, I mean, they're working with uranium and crap. Sure. Um, so I could understand that being a thing that you could somehow activate. It seems weird that you should be able to remotely activate it on your weird little, you know, control station. But I could kind of understand that for being a secret government facility dealing with dangerous creatures and materials. Me being an OCD nerd that's in charge of managing a mm-hmm. building, this stressed me out. This is a fire hazard. Yeah. It's against code. It's not a good design for like a school. No. Or a, a workplace. Yeah. A home. Anything. This is a yeah. terrible design. Yeah. But like for a secret government facility that has to be super top secret all the time, I, I get this being an option. The colonel leaves two guards to watch Buffy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'll work. Yeah, that's super two, smart, Carl. Two guys. Super strong, superhero slayer. And they're, so they've fine. not been restrained yet. They're not in handcuffs. No, she's just standing there. Yeah, they're all just standing there. Even if she wasn't super powered, it's still like, yeah, they have guns, but they're like Nintendo zappers, basically. <laughs> and there's four people against two, one of whom you know is a better fighter than any of your men. Like Literal superhuman strength. Yeah, not the smartest. Okay. Uh, the initiative becomes a war zone between demons and humans. Did you catch the shot of Graham taking care of business? It was nice that they, they put that in there. because I was so excited for it. Yeah, because it was like, uh, what's Graham doing, guys? That, no, literally, I was thinking about that. Like, and I'm, I'm watching this scene really intently because, f- frankly, I'm looking for the sleigh of the week. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's just demons, like, exactly what gnawing Adam... Yeah, it's exactly what Adam predicted, that humans can't fight back. Mm-hmm. It's demons gnawing on humans. All right, there ain't nothing really going on. And then at, just Graham, just... Go Graham. Taking him down. Yeah, Graham. Oh, and then we have another terrifying shot of Adam sitting at a monitor. Ooh, Ooh the spookiest. Terrifying. Call WikiLeaks. Willow finds electrical conduits running to an area that doesn't exist. Ergo, Adam's secret lab. It's really another... Thing that shows how incompetent the people working at the initiative is that right? nobody noticed this ever. Nobody, nobody looked. Nobody was even checking like, hey, how's our power usage going? Are we being super wasteful? Oh, we're sending a bunch of power to a place that doesn't exist? We should stop that. This is a wasteful accountant. They run through the war zone to get to 314. Party! Let me ask you here. Mm-hmm. I really can't decide how I feel about the scene of them running through this quote-unquote war zone. I would love to know your thoughts. It... God bless it, it tries its best. It, that's it. It's trying. It's it's really saying, like, we don't have the budget to do this right. Yeah. But we're going to we're gonna go for it. Mm-hmm. And I can't really put my finger on, like, particularly why I'm like, well, it doesn't work. I think just the fact of it 
being a lower budget, everything just has a little less impact than it needs to. Well, it's already on the soundstagey pit room. Yeah. By being there, you're lower Mm -hmm. so many points. See, anything that would improve it would probably increase the budget. Because I was thinking, like, maybe if they just do, like, a really interesting, just stay on them the whole time, like, from an angle, you know, just, like, one long take that's very uh, focused on them, like, maybe a Steadicam thing, something like that would be really cool. But that would probably Mm. be more expensive than what they ended up doing. Yeah. It was kind of like this weird mid-shotty, let's run around and punch things. I also just feel like, again, because I was watching really intently, I thought, like, this is where I'm going to find my Slay of the Week. Yeah. There is nothing remarkable happening here. No, like, I, I'm, what, Giles hitting some vampire with a bag? Yeah. Like, I, it, they literally taught me to do that in my self-defense class. Mm-hmm. I, I just, yeah. I, th- yeah. I think that might have helped having some decent choreography. How many times have we seen, you know, the opening kill in a cemetery that mm-hmm. was like really had nothing to do with the plot, but it was yeah. an interesting choreography. Mm-hmm. Buffy enters the secret lab and Forrest just grabs her with one hand and she's all like damselly. Yeah. For no good. Cause it's not even like, it's not the demon hand. He's gotten a demon hand and a human hand and he grabs her with the human hand and she's like, Oh no, I can't move. And maybe ah. if it was something more shocking, but like she's got to know that, the character Forrest being one of these things is in within the realm of possibility. It's not like not even she she's, was close with him. She's entering the secret lab oh, that's like run by yeah. the big bad. Just be on high alert, honey. Yeah. And I could I could maybe understand it if it was like somebody she cared about or thought was dead and it being really like shocking. And that's like she's kind of. Not like, oh, I feel weak, but just she's like kind of stunned into, you know, not having the proper reaction. Yeah. But there's no reason for her to be like, oh, I can't possibly take on Forrest. With one hand. He's holding you with one hand. Yeah. And not the demon hand. No. And like, why not? Since here's the thing, guys, if you're just stitching a bunch of random demons together, have him like spray some kind of spray on her that. You know, some kind of demon acid or something. Sure, great. And it, like, stuns her. Yeah. Sure. Paralyzing mist. Because, you know, we haven't studied all the demons that exist in the Buffyverse. Let's just assume that exists. Make it up. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure you can create a demon name that sounds real mm-hmm. The Misty Poo. There you go. That's the one. <laughs> the gang performs the enjoining spell, mm-hmm. combining their separate skills to possess Buffy with all of their strength. I like that, uh, that 70s show. Uh, shot of them in the circle in the circle around. <laughs> I, I like to think of it as them doing that 70s spell i love that <laughs> willow is the spirit xander is the heart giles is the mind but then who's earth and fire to form captain planet that is literally my next note <laughs> <laughs> oh great minds uh, buffy's the hand whatever he, she is manos hands of fate that's fine. I'm really just looking at my notes to see how long we have till the next episode. <laughs> <laughs> what, this isn't going to be your best episode? Spoiler alert, guys, for the uh, awards at the end. This is not going to be the best episode of the season. Riley cuts the behavior chip out of his own chest. Heartbreaking. <laughs> you literally bowed. He yeah. just bowed. <laughs> I'm about to one person, and maybe there's a cat in here somewhere. You're my best audience. <laughs> The fact that there isn't a cat in this room is just a shocking coincidence in my apartment. <laughs> <laughs> he takes over fighting Forrest so Buffy can finally get to Adam, mm-hmm. who breaks off the Polgaris, Polgaris skewer. 
Thank God. Yeah, just knees that nonsense out. Finally. It's taken so many episodes to deal with that double. And I understand they want to have Adam be like super tough and crazy, but like why why not make it hurt when she yeah, breaks isn't that, that part of your bone? Yeah, like that would hurt. That's somehow connected to your body. It's it's, it's supposed to be like Wolverine bone yeah. extending, right? Like imagine somebody just ripped off your fingernail. That right. would hurt. Yeah. You could still do stuff. You'd be like, oh, shit. But you would still, like, feel they, it. They literally torture people with that. Yeah. Like, that, that's how painful it is. Yeah. And you, you're talking about a bone sticking out of your arm. Yeah. I get that they had a surgery to attach that, mm-hmm. but it's still, like, in order for him to control it, it has to yeah. have nerve endings. Yeah. Because it's not a mechanical spike. It's from the demon that has that as part of their natural body. Yeah. Ugh. The machine gun arm. Stupid surprise chain gun. <laughs> I just, I mean, is he a Terminator? The effect is bad. And Guns it just doesn't make any sense. Like, this is the first time he's busted this shit out. And it's like way too big to have possibly come out of his arm. Nope. Yeah. Like, Guns why Buffy look dumb. Just have him pick that up. I'm more scared of the Polgaris core than I am of this machine gun. Yeah, because there's no way that, that the ending of Buffy the Vampire Slayer is going to be shot by a gun. Like yeah, that would I be hated this. like have him if it's like a super sci-fi gun, like a like a pumped up version of the zapper gun. Have it be that where it's like fine something that a giant could, lightning could machine. Maybe theoretically come from his arm. Yeah, that too is like it's just immediately goofy because the effects bad, makes no sense, and then it's just a gun shooting pew 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 pew. Uh, so luckily for Buffy, this is exactly when the enjoining spell takes mm-hmm. effect. So she gets a goosebump eyes. So like. In the opening sequence of Goosebumps, they have a bunch of different creepy things. And one of them is a dog whose eyes turn green. And that's a really bad effect. This one is actually pretty Oh, bad. I remember that now. Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. Riley beats up Forrest with a canister of flammable gas, tricking Forrest into taking it from him while he's near sparking wires. That's what happens, right? That's not clear. It's not clear. So, like... I wanted this to be my Slayer of the Week, but it wasn't shot clearly enough. Right. Like, editing bad. Idea interesting. Yeah. Editing bad. And that's it's like, yeah, it's kind of a trope, but I love the trope of, like, I'm going to take out the superior thing by just, like, tricking it into getting blown up or blowing it. Fairy Jaws, up. but that's fine. But that's fun. That's fun if you make it clear. Because it really seems like I'm just beating him with this canister. Which would also work. I mean, it works. He's which, beating him up. Yeah. Which then, like, I beat him up so much with this canister, it's going to explode. <laughs> like, that's okay. That, that's what it kind of looks like. Yeah. But they made a big point of showing the sparking wire earlier. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, oh. But there should have been, like, a clear insert of, like, canister, sparking wire, swinging, him looking at the wire. Like, Yeah. No, 100%. Yeah, visually yeah. make that connection yeah. again. So when this explodes, did you see the wax head fly at the camera? Um, I didn't. I didn't slow it down, but uh, you I didn't did, need like, to. Trust me. No, they. It's straight up just the wax head mm-hmm. flies at the camera, and it's really obvious that it is a wax head. That's because of all the demon parts. I mean, it did look pretty waxy. Mm-hmm. That's a d- defense mechanism of the uh, Misty Poo demon. <laughs> is that it? It. Uh, creates a, a, a wax film on its oh. outside when it feels threatened. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Buffy uses the force to transform Adam's rocket into doves. Yeah, that's right after the not at all inspired by the Matrix bullet stopping in front of her. Nope. Um, is this this whole dove thing? This is, I mean, well, even the what bullet it sounds like thing. like dove's cry? 
Yes. This is Willow, right? Because if I mean, we're, if we're talking about we're combining the four of us, mm-hmm. this magic stuff is, I mean, it's Willow. The rest of them don't know this. Well, I think it's, it's, they're using their, their essences to, to tap into the magic in general so that then the hands of it can implement the magical force. Cause otherwise, like, it's not like she really outthinks him in this fight That's or has it. a lot of heart. That here is where my complaint comes in. We're going to combine our four strengths mm-hmm. and they make sure to let you know, Willow, spirit, Xander, heart, Giles, mind, Buffy, hand. Really, this is magic and s- s- brute strength. Mm-hmm. I she think- doesn't really outsmart him. Like she doesn't do anything clever, yeah. really. I think they, they, they could have gone for that, but I think they, they just didn't. I think there was more like, these are the characteristics of these four people. If we can combine that power, it's like Captain Planet, where it's not like, you know, necessarily I'm going to use all the different aspects. I'm going to be combined into all of them, and that gives me my power. I don't like that. No, I don't think it's the stronger choice, but I think that's what they're going for. Yeah, I don't like it, I, yeah. especially because they spent so much time explaining these are our four parts mm-hmm. and come and work yeah. and especially them saying like willow could do this spell but she needs to be within this much yeah. space of her and how do you do that without adam killing her and mm-hmm. like th- if this was the solution to that yeah no yeah. no she's suddenly super strong which again from where because she's the, the strength and you mm-hmm. added three elements that aren't brute strength so how she gets stronger well the way i'd always remembered it but they don't really address it until the next episode i'd always remembered it as them tapping into the power of the first slayer would have been fine which would have made a been lot fine more with sense that. yeah that would have um, been great which yeah. is, again would also make restless make more sense. Mm-hmm. So uh, they did not do a good job. No, on this episode, you can never hope to grasp the source of our power. I hate it. I hate it. I just. I hate it. I hate it. I hate the. I hate the the four voices together. I hate yeah. the cheesiness of that line in and the cheesiness just, of this moment. It's not built up to. Yeah. I I wouldn't mind it being so cheesy if there was like a real build up, even if like Buffy and Adam had actually talked more than what twice. Yeah, well, yeah, there's that. Like there's there's no interplay where it's like, oh, you know how the whole season he's been talking about how she doesn't have enough power and that he has more power than she could understand and that you know no that hasn't been a thing. This isn't like the conclusion of a storyline. This is just like, I'm really badass. It's very also like new agey, I guess in a way this, you know, like again, it's just cheesy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I accept that she's stronger with these people. I Mm -hmm. think that's great. I think that's great that she's the slayer that lives longer and um, has a full life because she's the one that embraces other people. I think that's an important lesson. And if you want to go cheesy, go all out and, and make it something as silly as, you know, but I'm uh, stronger than than anyone else who's ever been. And then she just says something like, yeah, but I have friends. Like, that's cheesy, but at least, like, makes more sense and ties into things. Like, you can't understand the source of my power. Like, 
what does that have to do with anything? Doves. So I guess when she's doing all the magic stuff, Adam just keeps saying, interesting, interesting. And I guess that was his catchphrase this season? Yeah. That's really bad that I just caught that now. It's awful. Like, because that just seems like such a boring thing that any shitty villain would say when you're trying to make them look badass that I didn't even notice that they'd used it more than once. If they'd more embrace this idea of he's like a child, he like he's a grown mm-hmm. man, but he's more like a child because yeah. he's new to this world and doesn't understand it, mm-hmm. and he's trying to learn from it, and he doesn't know the extent of his strength mm-hmm. and doesn't really understand bad and good. Yeah. If you had embraced that aspect, mm-hmm. then I could see how interesting would work as a catchphrase. Yeah, but it's not it's not that fascinating when it's just done in the stereotypical. I'm a bad guy who's so bad that I I can just say something's interesting when it should be threatening. He seems to understand this world super well the yeah. second he enters into it. Yeah, like better than everybody else. <laughs> so and- interesting to me just seems, oh, you're not as smart as you thought you were. Mm-hmm. And you're covering for the fact that you didn't know this was going to happen. Yeah. And yeah, what would you go to the the... The idea of him being new and fresh to the world, that would have actually made him scarier in a lot of ways if there's just even scenes of stuff that's not like badass, but him just discovering something in the world and just being fascinated by like a leaf or a Rubik's Cube, like something just like that is just – you realize that there's all this power in the mind of basically a child that can be scary too. Sure, yeah. And it's definitely scarier than I'm just the most badass. Look at my leg brace. So she punches right through his chest to remove his power source. Hey, isn't that radioactive? Um, and isn't it also um, the ooze from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2? The secret of the ooze. New witchy moment where she holds mm-hmm. it up and it just kind of like. Like it's imploded into white light. And goes away. Great. This is really cheesy. Yeah. Spike saves the Scoobies from an attacking demon, so you can't be mad at me now, right? <laughs> good right? work, team. We're good. We're all good, right? But they're kind of just too tired to care. They're like, it's. I mean, that took a lot out. <laughs> they still have those demons and the initiative to take care of. Mm. And the episode cuts away from the action to bring us... Some terrible acting from the Pentagon. Yeah. I love the idea of this if it was done at all competently. I hate all of this. See, what I think would would be interesting in this is making it not seem like, ooh, Illuminati secret back room, but make it more like mundane. Have the sure. have the meaning of like the, the Pentagon people, first of all, have them be better actors. Um, I mean, first and foremost. Also, just have it in like a regular looking office. What the hell room. is with the fact that there's, I mean, this is a this giant weird, black room. Giant black room with like spaceship looking desks that like. Just have it in a boardroom. Why is this? And just have it be like in a very ordinary looking room. The men walk out. You just see it's like somewhere in Washington, D.C. And then it's like, oh, this is even a big deal. Shit like this is happening all the time. That's an interesting way to end it, as opposed to like, you know, they kind of do that, but it's also in a super secret initiative looking room that's yeah. not interesting. And I think if they had done it in a way that the action was more cool, like, you know, kind of uh like in comic books, how they have splash pages, just have it be like one cool, like little slowed down image after another. But the action isn't even that cool. So cutting between that and the office is like 
These are both pretty boring. And I think if there is a version of the scene, which would have been an awesome way to end the episode, but this is so far from it that it's just comes off super late. I do like the idea that, um, this isn't a big deal to them. Like this is a huge deal mm-hmm. to the Slayer and the Scoobies yeah. and to them. They're like, ah, shut it down. Yeah. Fine. Which is what they do. They shut it yeah. down. Um, except I, not really. Yeah. We learned that they don't really fill it in with, in with cement, which makes that whole thing. And then the burn it down, salt the earth, which sounds really cool. The fact that they, you find out uh, like a season later, spoiler alert, they don't. Yeah. And again, the burn it down, salt the earth makes it seem super important to yeah. them. It would make more sense that they're like, eh, this was Maggie's thing and we don't really mm-hmm. care. Yeah. Yeah. So what's the lesson in primeval? Friendship is magic. Basically. Pretty Teamwork. Much. Yay. Yep. Yep. I do want to mention one thing before we uh, move on. Um, just cause I think it's super cool. So they have the line, um, uh, see what you get for taking French instead of uh, Sumerian. Mm-hmm. Originally, it was supposed to be see what you get for taking Spanish until Nicholas Brendan on set was like, wait a minute, that's not in continuity. Oh, go Nicky Brendan. And it's just like, way to go for remembering that and changing it on the fly. Nice. Yeah. I thought that was really yeah, cool. Seriously. Mm-hmm. French was a thing. Anyway. Yeah. So I, uh, it is no secret. <laughs> That I do not like this episode. What? It's not uh, your favorite? I, I mean, I, if I was a betting person, yeah. last up, I, uh, I predicted that I would think this was terrible. Mm-hmm. This is terrible. <laughs> and I, the, the sad thing is, I, in general, I can see where they were going with this. The idea of, mm-hmm. again, she's stronger together. It's a theme that runs throughout the series, and I enjoy that. And, uh, you know, on a grander sense, if I'm going to get super cheesy, I think that you can say that we're all stronger together and mm-hmm. stronger if we unite. So I like that on a macro scale. It's it's just executed super poorly no. um, in a tone that does not fit with the rest of Buffy. Mm-hmm. And so to me, it just comes off as, again, new agey, awkward, cheesy. Yeah. And it, I mean, this episode is just really heavy and all the things that I have hated so far in season four that we've mm-hmm. had little bits of, and then it's just all in this yep. episode. And it's like, uh, they go all in. There's so much Adam. There's so much the initiative. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of Pentagon shit and weird cyborg things. Yep. And it's all the badness in one episode. So there's somebody who's, who's, who's kind of skipped around in, in Buffy and who like, you don't have to worry about spoilers. And they're like, Oh, I hear people keep like talking about. What's what's wrong with season four? Um, even though, and this bit of a spoiler for later in the episode, I don't think it's individually the worst episode to me because there are some interesting things and there is some decent action and that kind of stuff. But I feel like if you want to show an episode that's representative of, hey, what's wrong with season four? Mm. This is a good one to show somebody of like, this is what's wrong. You can see all the elements that don't work and the elements that do work that get sidelined. Right. On a happier note. Uh, it's time to take a break and hear from our sponsor. For your next special evening, surprise her with Eau de Slayer. Does your lady yearn to bask in the aroma of an empty desert? Cheese. Fromage. Hi, Mom. Uh, what? Uh, um, it, does your date burn with the intense fire of an ancient primal force? Lesbians want me. Dude. Uh, um... 
<clears throat> Give her the gift that says... Purple husband pillow rocket ship? No, what? No. Give her the gift that says, I'm a woman, and I'm dangerous. And I have never washed my hair. Stop it. <clears throat> Give her Ode to Slayer and awaken the primal force within. I like cheese. It's time to put Primeval back on the shelf and open the books on Restless. So the gang is having a post-battle sleepover at the Summer's home. But wait, didn't we just have the season finale last episode? Uh, yes. But, but, wait, but there's another episode? There is. What? I predict that the writers realized that we really didn't care about Adam. And, I mean, they just were like, present. You know how you <laughs> like the Joss dream sequences? Here's a whole episode about it. Yeah, I do I do wonder. I haven't, I haven't found anything official about the genesis of this idea of having the last episode not be where you take down the big bad mm-hmm. and instead be like a trippy, foreshadowy dream episode. So the gang is just too wired to sleep since the enjoining spell. Xander wants to watch Apocalypse Now. <laughs> but the second they press the play button, they're out. Aw. Have you ever had the experience where somebody wants to watch just the worst possible choice in film when you're, like, seeing movies with a bunch of people? I can't think of a specific time, but I, I feel like there's always that one person that, like, wants to watch a super serious Oscar-winning piece that you're like, I'm not saying it's a bad movie. I'm no. just saying read the room. I think somebody literally in high school said oh hey guys i know what we should all watch it was a group of like i don't know like eight people one guy uh this one kid says oh you know we should watch saving private ryan wow oh that's not that's not a fun group movie that's just it it's like i mean like i'm not saying it's bad i'm just saying um in college one of my roommates only owned oscar-winning movies Mm. so she had a great collection but we never wanted to watch and she like used Mm. to make fun of my movies, because I had a lot of really dumb movies. and But we never watched any of hers. We watched Ella Enchanted so many times. Well, that's the thing is, is there are certain movies where they're great, but you don't want to watch them all the time. And it's weird to own certain movies, because it's like, how often are you watching that? Exactly, yeah. Like, I had a roommate who owned Requiem for a Dream, which is a great movie, but... I know a lot of people who said, like, I could only watch that once. I think there's also, like, especially because I'm a collector mm-hmm. person, like, there are certain things that because I think they're excellent or I love them, even if I know I'm not going to watch them, mm, I need fine. to own that DVD. Okay. That's interesting. So we dive right into Willow's Dream, in which Tara worries that Miss Kitty Fantastico hasn't told them her name yet. Ooh, foreshadowing. While the cat plays with a ball of yarn in slow-mo... Willow is painting symbols on Tara's naked back the whole while. Typical Explain- back calligraphy. Typical. Explain your foreshadowing. I think that's totally saying that um, Dawn doesn't have a name yet. Mm. That she's being formed. That she's not here yet. She doesn't have a name yet. Interesting. So a lot of this episode, um, I know people. a lot of people think that it's foreshadowing things to come. My problem with that being that I don't think... Your dreams give you any information that you don't at least have subconsciously. So I think it's weird to have dreams in which people are learning new information. My my 
way that that makes sense is that because of the enjoining spell, they're all connected to Buffy who has prophetic dreams. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, I gotcha. That, mm-hmm. that is an excellent yeah. explanation. Yeah. So that's, that's how it makes sense to me. Cause otherwise it is kind of weird that everyone else would have these things. If it, Buffy had it, it would make sense because, you know, she's the Slayer. But since they're all connected and since they're all being stalked by the first Slayer, mm-hmm. they all can they can all have it now. So my question was, does Miss Kitty Fantastico, whose mm-hmm. name we don't really know, represent the first Slayer? Because you can see she's stalking. Mm, she's moving in slow-mo as the first Slayer often does in this mm-hmm. episode. And she hasn't told us who she is. Mm. I could see that that making sense, too. Uh, the <coughs> Greek le- Greek writing on Tara's back is an invocation of Aphrodite, mm. which is responded to by the goddess's promise to make whoever the poet desires love her back in return. Aww. And I quote, if she does not love, soon she shall love, even unwilling. If you've seen Tabula Rasa, mm. you know that Willow will end up forcing Tara Mm -hmm. to forget their fights and therefore love her and forgive her unwillingly. Tara says that they'll find out about Willow, which is going to be a running theme through this Mm -hmm. whole dream. It's obviously a manifestation of a subconscious worry that Willow Mm -hmm. has that she's, that's something that's been bothering her. She's already out. So I don't think it has to do with Mm -hmm. coming out or people worried about her being worried about being accepted as a lesbian. Mm -hmm. I think it's that this year she's really kind of shed her geek status. Yeah. She's coming to her own, which happens a lot. Your first year in college, you're able to reinvent yourself. Sure. It's that fear of, of being found out as no, you're really this geek that you were still this nerd. You may have like been dating a musician and now you're a Mm -hmm. lesbian and a witch, but really you're just this geek in Mm -hmm. bad clothing. You're just season one willow. Outside Tara's window is a desert. And the first layer lurking around. Willow is then in the hallways with Xander and Oz. Xander, I know we just saw Oz, but I'm already like, oh, it's Oz. <laughs> Xander says something that hints at being turned on by Willow's lesbianism. Yep, of course. That he does a spell by himself. <laughs> Every time he thinks about them doing a spell together. <laughs> Which I feel, I mean, like I could see Willow like maybe worrying that her male dude friend mm-hmm. is going to have that reaction well, to her being a lesbian. Especially Xander. Especially Xander. Uh, then Willow is magically backstage at a theater where it seems everybody's in a cast. Mm-hmm. Harmony is in a dirndl. Harmony being back for this. Riley is a cowboy. Buffy because he was there first. F- he was, yeah. yeah. Buffy's a flapper. Giles is the director, which brings back <laughs> lovely memories of the talent show. And just such like a typical, I'm the snooty British director. Mm-hmm. Is, uh, I just love it. Buffy tells Willow that her quote-unquote costume is perfect. No one will know the truth about you. Again, this I'm, you know, cool and not a nerd thing is an act. She's pretending that she's, you know. This, like, sexy witch lesbian college kid. I also wonder if she's already feeling the pull of magic. Mm, And she is worried that people are going to notice that she's... She's craving it more and more. She's unable mm. to, she's relying on it more and more. Yeah. And that this idea that she's this perfect, smart, goody, goody, mm-hmm. that that's not really who she is. And we, no. you know, we saw in Vampire Willow and Doppelganger, there is a dark side there. Yeah. Yeah. And I think she 
maybe knows that's coming and feels mm-hmm. like I still need to pretend that I am this straight A vanilla mm-hmm. ice cream. Well, I think especially with the events of the last episode, touching into that primeval mm. thing probably stirred a lot of that up in her. Just having access to that kind of power made her, I maybe if it, if it, if it is just a subconscious level, mm-hmm. kind of get that about herself a, a little bit more. Kind of feel that that temptation a lot greater and feel that yearning for that Mm, yeah definitely i also wonder like all this talk about her family being in the audience and in the front row and they're really mad i don't picture willow having come out to her parents already no i don't think so because she's like just come out to all of her friends who are like they share a secret life Uh and she's just been able to be comfortable coming out to them i really doubt that she's been comfortable enough to come out to her parents yet. So there might be something in there about her mm-hmm. identity as a lesbian. Yeah. Giles gives a curtain speech in which he says that the audience wants to eat them alive, so they must hide. <laughs> uh, the whole while, Harmony is trying to bite him, but she's too short. Yeah. I love this because if I were a vampire, that would be me. <laughs> You'd have to go after short victims. I'd have to bring around a step stool with me. Like, mm-hmm. excuse me, I can't reach your neck. You know, I think I think this is just a manifestation of Willow's stage fright. Yeah. And I think it's it's very appropriate that there's a very high school element to this production where it feels like a high school play. Yes. It doesn't feel like something that's going on at the college they're all at. Because I feel like that's where a lot of her anxieties are of the way Mm -hmm. she was in school up until college where she kind of was able to blossom. And she's afraid of going back to that. So it makes sense that it's a very high school production. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The first layer is lurking backstage. They're doing Death of a Salesman. That's not Death of a Salesman. There's no dirndles in there. No flappers. Certainly not a cowboy. (laughs) All the sound fades out, which I love. And we meet the cheese man for the first time, who says, I've made a little space for the cheese slices. Aw, sweet. Now, Joss Whedon has gone on record Mm -hmm. and said that the cheese man means nothing. He is just funny goofy mm-hmm. weird thing that he added yeah. well specifically so that there is something that is shared in all of them that means nothing right yeah. but people have been dissecting that for since the show aired willow runs into tara who tries to warn her about the first layer it's very twin peaks with the the red curtains yeah it is yeah the play i love the play i did read someone trying to dissect the play and i was like i don't i i think it's dream mumbo jumbo yeah a man, a salesman. Men with, with your sales. sales. <laughs> oh. I absolutely adore it. I feel like if you were a theater kid, you're like, yes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Willow is attacked in between the curtains. Mm. We don't really see the attacker, just a bloody knife and a bandaged gross hand. Mm-hmm. Buffy saves her and takes her to the high school where Buffy insists that Willow should take off her costume. She rips off Willow's outfit to reveal... Her season one clothing and hair. Oh, no. This is, I mean, she is two, three years older yep. here, and it's like uncanny. Yeah. It is season one, episode one, Willow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was a very good quality wig. Yeah. That was a good it quality. Looks, it looks very, very real. And then I also love how Oz is like, it looks like he's warning Tara, and then it looks like they're like laughing at her. And almost her, flirting. Yeah, and then yeah, and then that it almost the looks like they're flirting. Insult. Which yeah. is like, oh no. That would be terrible. 
She's still just geeky Willow. As the uh, first layer attacks and chokes her, the class just ignores her. Hmm. Back in the living room, Xander wakes up to Giles and Buffy watching Apocalypse Now. Mm-hmm. Willow's choking on the couch, but don't mind her. She's the faker. <laughs> Nobody cares. So I've never seen Apocalypse Now. Yep. Is this actual footage from the Oh, movie? God, no. Okay. It is, like, comically not. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I've never seen it. Um. Well, like, the thing with Snyder later on is is a direct, like... Not line for line. They change all the lines, but it's a direct reference to Marlon Brando and Apocalypse Now. I assumed that. But yeah. this walking through the jungle was weird. And I was like, I no, don't know no, if this is a thing. It's yeah, just it's, what it looks like. Yeah, it's it's like like that uh, movie Be Kind, Rewind. It would be like that version of Apocalypse Now. Okay. Giles is not a fan, it <laughs> seems. Uh, Buffy is eating new car smell popcorn, good, which good makes flavor. Sandra need to go upstairs to be. I like the logic there that like mm-hmm. new car smell. That's good. Well, thank, thanks for making me have to pee. Yeah. Do you ever have this thing? I'm, I'm, this has to be universal where you wake up from a ge- a dream that you just think like was genius. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I had a dream <laughs> a couple weeks ago where it's like when I woke up, I thought like this is the best sketch idea that's never been done. Ah. Uh. So the idea from <laughs> what I can remember is basically. So there's people doing a sketch, mm-hmm. and then somebody sings a song about how, let's go uh, level up in the sketch, and they go to like a sketch about somebody in the sketch's dreams, I guess, or something in their head. But in some way, it keeps doing this, so it's like a rushing nest- nesting doll, okay. or the Inception I was about sketch, to say, it's the Inception. Um, which, like, when I woke up, seemed really clever, and now, like, <laughs> once I'm fully awake, I'm like, but wait, what's the joke? <laughs> and what are the different levels? It's like maybe a framework for a potential sketch if you can find out, you know, what the joke is. <laughs> it's like a fun idea to have fun with, but not a sketch. There's a lot of nights where I'm like aware that I'm dreaming. Mm. And the part of me that's aware that I'm dreaming is like, this is fucking amazing <laughs> i am an interesting person this story has a three-act structure with a well-rounded <laughs> villain and it has obstacles for me to face and this is a callback to the thing that happened earlier but now i'm overcoming it and i get near the end of the dream I'm like i gotta write this shit down man i could make a movie and i never remember it <gasps> and everyone always says like keep a pad of paper next to my bed i'm a i'm nervous too yeah. Because I, I prefer to believe that I'm a genius when I sleep. <laughs> and you're not going to w- wake up and be like, so I went to a store and there was a monkey there. I was like, uh-uh, monkey. But then later on, I went to a different store and the monkey was there. I was like, okay, monkey. And that's the story. <laughs> the end. Like, see, it all connects. <laughs> but in that way, Zand- I'm, you know, Xander has dream logic of like, mm-hmm. oh, popcorn, I need to pee. Joyce uh, is looking all hot in this red 90. Yeah, she is. Looking bad. So Joss has said that it's a common phenomenon for guys to have the hots for their friends' mothers. Mm -hmm. I get that. I mean, it's it's the whole cougar thing. Women reach their sexual maturity in their 30s or 40s. And also just like on an even more basic level, a lot of times you're a boy and your sexuality matures before even your body does. Mm -hmm. And like an adult woman might be much more attractive than anyone your your own age because you're all you all look like a bunch of kids it almost feels more appropriate that you'd like look at a grown woman and be like Mm -hmm. she has actual boobs and like woman parts yeah i find that attractive Mm -hmm. 
girls my age look just like the boys yeah. and just, have not reached sexual maturity. Like I, yeah. it's yeah. So it, it, to me, that makes total sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I have heard other people be like, that's gross. And be like, no, no, that yeah. actually, I feel like is almost less gross. Yeah. I mean, it might be weird if you're like talking to your friends about, man, your mom is super hot, bro. Yeah. No, that's you keep a little that weird. shit to yourself. The other thing I like about this is I, I really feel, and I, I feel like there, I've read studies about this, the idea that like, if you're, on one hand, feeling Randy. Wait, who's Randy? Uh, and on the other hand, completely unrelated, this person is on your mind. Mm-hmm. Let's say you don't even like them. You're fighting with them. Okay. Your subconscious when you sleep will mush those two feelings together. That makes sense. And you'll have a sex dream about that person. Mm-hmm. So like having a sex dream about someone does not necessarily mean I'm attracted to them. It just no. means... You maybe are feeling frustrated in that arena, and also this person—you saw them five minutes ago. Yeah, like that's it. Literally, they're unrelated. That's I love. There's, uh, I think it was like a, a Radio Lab or some uh, podcast I was listening to that did a really great job of explaining the idea of uh, sleeping and dreaming as a a process in remembrance. Yeah, is that basically? When you, you sleep and you dream, your memories, it's basically the things that are most important are like a, a, a drumbeat that gets louder and louder. And the other stuff, at, at first it may seem like it's like really, uh, important, but the, those noises kind of fade out. It's like it kind of filters out into what the most important things are, are the things that are repeated and it gets into your dreams and into your memory. Mm-hmm. So like if you spend three hours a day, you know, practicing a particular song on the guitar, that is the beat that's going to, you know, stay in your head. And, you know, the random other stuff that happened in the day, that'll kind of fade out. So the idea that, yeah, in your dreams, it'll just be like, these are the things that are really important that happened this day. And if, yeah, like half of it's this and half of it's that, that, yeah, makes sense. Yeah. Uh, Xander does make it to the bathroom where he's being studied by scientists and army men. (laughs) And I think, again, like the initiative is has been a thing so mm-hmm. it's on his mind the and, whole thing about him joining the army has mm-hmm. been on his mind and plus just like a very you know common male fe- fear of like am i adequate is my junk up to snuff right i don't want anybody to see my junk right and it's and that would be especially prominent i think in, in somebody like that yeah makes total sense mm-hmm. he leaves the bathroom and walks straight into the basement someone on the other side of the door wants in but he retreats from it and ends up in a playground Aww. Where Giles and Spike are on the swing. Oh, the Spike training to be a watcher. Giles is going to teach me to be a watcher. Says I got the stuff. <laughs> and Buffy's playing on the playground, or in the, what is that thing? Sandbox. Sandbox, thank you. He's watching himself in the ice cream truck. I love that. Yeah. Because that's something that happens so common to me in dreams where I'm both the person and watching the person. I was about to ask you this. Yeah. I was like, am I the only one? No, no, that happens to me all the time. Cause a lot of times I feel like my dreams, it's like I'm watching myself on TV that like, mm-hmm. yeah. I'm not looking out of my eyes. I'm watching myself do stuff. Yeah. And sometimes I will have it where it'll kind of like change. Mm-hmm. And it'll be sometimes both, but a lot of times it is. Yeah. I'm watching myself or it's even weirder sometimes where it's like, I'm watching somebody. And I know that's me, even though they don't look like me. Mm-hmm. That'll happen a lot, too. Xander says to Spike, I was into that for a while, but now I have other stuff going on. And I interpret that as he was all about watching Buffy mm-hmm. and being her supporting character. I mean, like, for a while, all of Xander was about 
Buffy, whether or not it was in the world of the show or just because he was not necessarily a fully developed character. But he has become so much more this season. He has Anya. He's trying to nail down a career. He has this whole internal fear and insecurity about his place in the world. And you could also interpret that, and also depending on how far into future plot lines you think they were getting, that that could also be about just being attracted to Buffy. Because mm. that's, you know, yeah, like you said, a very big part of Xander's oh. early development. And Spike has not really shown interest in Buffy yet on any real But again, I still level. argue that his interaction with Faith and Who Are You has sparked that. Exactly. So that's now becoming a thing. Hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, Xander warns Buffy against playing in the sandbox. It's pretty big. Uh, she says, it's okay. He's not coming for me yet. She calls him brother. Big brother. Big brother. What do you think that means? I think that's another Don illusion. Okay. Because he's the big brother figure in her life. Nice. Yeah. Okay. His point of view then switches to the Xander in the ice cream truck mm-hmm. with some really bad <laughs> scrolling scenery behind him. I love the I rear love. projection. Yeah. It's so just charming. Uh, Anya asked, do you know where you're going? Hmm. That means in life. What? And again, she's the most direct. So yeah. she's the one that would directly ask him that mm-hmm. question. Anya wants to get back into vengeance, but Xander thinks it's too dangerous. <laughs> Willow and Tara are canoodling in the back of the van. Mm-hmm. Again, it makes yeah. total sense that this character would at least subconsciously be thinking about that oh, in a sexual course. You're way. a 19-year-old boy. Mm-hmm. And, and not, not only is it two women you know, but one woman who you've been in a relationship and find attractive and another attractive woman you find out are a couple, there's some level of you that's thought about that. Oh, yeah, totally. Absolutely. And I love they use the same conceit with Joyce of the sometimes when it's like the sexy image of mm-hmm. the lips not moving and it yeah. being like that much more artificial. Yes. And almost that he's so focused on their bodies mm-hmm. that his brain forgets to animate their mouths. Exactly. Yeah. He says to Willow, I'm going places. And she replies, I'm way ahead of you. Which is Xander's big fear that everyone's Mm -hmm. ahead of him. Everyone's surpassing him. And Anya's figured out how to steer by gesturing emphatically. Xander goes in back to join Willow and Tara, but ends up back in the basement again. Which isn't that just his life. That no matter what he does, he just ends up back in that basement. Even crawling through an endless ice cream truck. Uh, The doorknob is rattling. The cheese man tells him these will not protect you. Oh, no. They're very thinly sliced. I mean, there's not much armor there. Maybe it was a nice, you know, thick Wisconsin cut. He escapes high school where the colors are all askew. Mm -hmm. Has that ever happened in your dreams? I I think I may have dreamed kind of in black and white once or twice, but Mm. I tend not to have. It tends to be either kind of photorealistic or at least like a more typical film look as opposed to like it doesn't look like a Steven Stoderbergh film in my dreams. Uh, the first layer is stalking him. Giles tell the, tells him they've gone on ahead again. Mm-hmm. They're passing him. Uh, and then starts speaking in French. Um, and I do have the translations here somewhere. Okay. Of what is said. So um, Giles starts speaking in French. And he says, the house where we're all sleeping. All your friends are there having a wonderful time and getting on with their lives. The creature can't hurt you there. And Xander says, what? Go where? I don't understand. Oh, for God's sakes, this is no time for your idiotic games. And Anya, also in uh, French, Xander, you have to come with us now. Everybody's waiting for you. Um, that's what I've been trying to tell him, Giles. Uh, this is Anya again. It's not important. I'll take you there, Xander. Well, wait, where are we going? 
He's just too dumb to get it. Well, and that's the answer for him. That's the whole metaphor is the idea that he doesn't understand people anymore. Mm -hmm. They've, they're gone on to college. They're, you know, they're not speaking his language anymore. And that, and I think, I mean, you could just argue that it's a, a fun language to superimpose or that um, easily recognizable language. But I think there, you could make the argument that it being French, which is classically like a language smart elite people will learn even if it's not their first language mm. is is something else to it of like mm. they're speaking a different language and it's commonly seen as upper crusty language to sure speak. yeah yeah fun side note if you google mm-hmm. what does giles say in french it brings up the google translation of what does giles say in french. in french <laughs> <laughs> So I uh, tried to look for that translation, but I had some trouble. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's like trying to look up the band Fun. (laughs) I know, right? Fun, period. (laughs) Apocalypse Now-ish scene with Snyder. And Uh, the one where you got from the basement, mostly. Yeah, I know. And also the like, have I mentioned that I was glad you were eaten by a big snake? Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's the second mayor reference in these two episodes. Because in the last one, there's the line about, uh, don't you miss... Mayor, I just want to be a big snake. Yeah. And I want to say, yes, I do. Not for that reason, Xander. <laughs> yeah, because he wants to be a big snake. Snyder asks Xander, where are you headed? Tells him that time is running out. Mm-hmm. Xander doesn't know where his life is headed. He's getting older. He needs to figure this out. Uh, he goes to Giles's house. Willow is seizuring, then ends up in the dorm and eventually the basement. Did you notice this is all one long shot? Oh, yeah, yeah. That. They do some really cool stuff. With I that. just, I just, I'm like watching yeah. them go him like go through the walls. I'm like, I mm-hmm. want to see this set yeah. so bad. Well, it just, it seems like one of those really clever ways to make the fact that you're on a low budget, make it look like you're on a higher budget. Cause mm. just like, we just have these sets that are all in the just same place. Them. Let's just build it, build yeah. the wall connecting the two. Yeah, and, just yeah. like connect these two doors on these two sets and it'll look like we spent a whole bunch of money where it's just like, no, these are just the sets that we have that are smushed all together normally. But, uh, you know, from you and I that have mm-hmm. spent some time on amateur film sets, yeah. I do respect like how many takes yeah. that probably took. Oh, yeah, to get like all, all the time. Just that correct. much traveling and to have everything like lit, correct. Oh, yeah. Oof. So the door knocking ends up being dad. Specifically, Xander's dad, who we've never seen before, yeah. who tells I him... don't think we ever see again. The wedding. Oh, that's right. That's right. Who tells him that's not the way out, um, which is his fear of becoming these people, mm. which, again, we'll yeah. find out at the wedding. He does not want to be his dad, yeah. and he that's is well out. on the path to becoming that. Mm. At least he thinks so. Yeah. And the first slayer rips out his heart. Hey, Xander was the heart of the group. Yeah. And now we're in Giles' dream. Where he's hypnotizing Buffy, a very childlike Buffy. Mm-hmm. It's very reminiscent of Helpless. Yep. They go to a carnival where Buffy is treating him like her dad. And Olivia's there. Olivia's there. She's pregnant. Mm-hmm. And she's pushing an empty carriage. Um, I have read an interpretation that this is Giles' subconscious need to be a dad and to mm-hmm. want a traditional family. Yeah. I can see that. Mm-hmm. I've also read that uh, this is symbolism for Olivia did get pregnant while they were together. I feel like there's nothing to support that besides this one dream. If there's like something else that would like, I guess you could make the argument, oh, he went off to England. Was that to go take care of his illegitimate child he never talks about? Mm-hmm. That feels very much like a fan theory. Like, I don't know that 
all that James Bond is a time lord where it's like, that's cute, but I Okay, don't... I'm going to bring this up again in five minutes. We're okay. going to come back to this. Uh, she throw... <laughs> She's throwing uh, a ball at vampires, which means staking them. <laughs> She's not very good at it. He says this is her his job, blood and the lamb and all that. Um, blood and the lamb specifically meaning sacrifice. Mm-hmm. So like Giles knows that Buffy will need to make a sacrifice, season mm-hmm. five, uh, and th- that preparing her for that is his duty. Mm-hmm. And just, like, even in a more general level of, like, he kind of knows chances are I'm going to outlive this young girl who I'm, like, a father to. Because that's mm-hmm. how slayers just tend – how it tends to go for them. Right. Uh, Buffy gets cotton candy all over her face, which becomes mud. Um, I think the mud represents the first slayer. It's yeah. a very primal mm-hmm. thing. He says, I know you. So he kind of understands yeah, what's going he's on here. Uh, we enter Spike's crypt. Where Olivia is crying over the spilled stroller. And this is where I think she had a miscarriage. Okay. I think you could also interpret it in a, a in a less literal sense of both Giles and her may have thought they were going to have a relationship that led to this. Mm-hmm. And basically all this magic crap that he's involved with made them have to split up. Fair. I mean, I guess you could interpret it as, as that, but that just, just feels like... A lot to put just in subconscious of a dream and never address again. Sure. But you could also make the argument that the pregnant and then an empty baby stroller could be another dawn illusion. Mm, interesting. There's this being coming into the world, but we're pushing around the stroller and there's nothing in it. I also read an interpretation that um, the stroller represents him thinking of Buffy as his child mm-hmm. and it overturning means the loss of her innocence. Oh, that could make sense too. Uh, Spike tells him he's hired himself out as an attracti- attraction and he's posing. He's <laughs> just doing like generic vampire poses. I love it. It's <laughs> fabulous. Well, that becomes part of like the, the opening credits. Mm-hmm. I love it. Cheese man is there. <laughs> I wear the cheese. It does not wear me. At the bronze, Xander has been stabbed uh, while Anya's doing stand up. Willow tells Giles. <coughs> <clears throat> Willow tells Giles that what is happening is his fault. Probably because he's the one who came up with the idea for the enjoying spell yeah. in Primeval. And they, they, I think they address later that even though he said that it has dire consequences, they didn't realize what that meant. And he says that about everything. Mm-hmm. I think he also just takes responsibility for everything because yeah. he feels he's the grown up. Exactly. Exactly. What do you think about uh, Xander getting stabbed and Anya doing stand up? What does that mean? I, I thought the the hole in Xander's chest was referring to that he had already gotten his heart ripped out. Oh, because in Xander's dream, yeah. Willow's choking because the first layer. Yeah. Cho- oh, okay. Yeah, that's what I had thought it was. Uh, Giles starts singing. This is a gig for him. <sighs> Yay. But in the song, he's working out where the first layer came from. Mm-hmm. Must have come from the primeval spell. And you know what the song is listed as when it's like, hmm. you know, they have the listing in their credits is the exposition song. Nice. I love how they're holding up lighters while they research, like mm-hmm. they're not even paying attention. <laughs> and I like this idea that he's caught between wanting a family, yeah. still wanting to be a watcher. Mm-hmm. We saw him with the watch earlier. The watch. The watch. Um, wanting a family, wanting to be a watcher, and still wanting to be a rock star. Yeah. Because I feel like you never let go of that. Mm-hmm. Follows his mic cord and finds the watch. So yeah. this whole dream he's been asking... I don't know what's going on. It's very confusing. Mm-hmm. And it started out with the watch and it yep. ends with the watch. So I think the end of the dream means this is what you're supposed to be doing. You're supposed to be a watcher. So he mm-hmm. spent all of season four kind of aimless. Mm. Season five, we're going to see him pick up 
yeah. the watcher title once again, mm-hmm. even if not in an official capacity. And I think it could also you could have the meaning of what's been after me in the dream itself of like. Oh, of course, it's a Slayer. The first Slayer cuts open his head. Ooh, creepy blood waterfall. Because he was the mind in mm-hmm. the enjoining spell. I don't think I caught that the first time I watched, because I probably didn't watch it, like, kind of back-to-back, and certainly wasn't taking notes. Mm. So I just didn't, I don't think I really noticed that they all die, and they, they're they all killed by the thing they represent in the spell. Right. So does that mean if the, sl- the first Slayer had been successful, she would have just, like, cut off Buffy's hands? It'd be kind of gnarly. Just like yep. cuts off her hands, just watches her bleed out. The, uh, so we're in Buffy's dream. She's sleeping in the dorm. Anya's in the other bed, mm-hmm. which is weird. I think that might be kind of representing how there's this new person in the gang that's like, it feels maybe Buffy has some problems with Anya kind of becoming part of the gang. Like, she's not Willow. Why is mm. she there? Mm-hmm. Or maybe it's her accepting that finally. It's like, oh, oh Anya is part of the gang. Yeah. She begs Buffy, please wake up, uh, which may be foreshadowing to Buffy's death. Mm. Please come back. Uh, she says, I'm not really in charge of these things. Maybe foreshadowing to leave me mm. in paradise. Let me stay there. <laughs> Buffy recalls making the bed with Faith, but can't remember for whom. Dawn's coming. Ma. So uh, throughout Buffy's dream, she is looking for her friends. She can't find them. And here Tara tells her that she lost them. And, you know, later on, the first layer tells she's a alone. But it's interesting how she keeps pushing back on mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Um, so we'll see that more. This clock that she that they check the time on is the same clock that uh, she had from when and she had a faith in graduation 730, day. 7.30. Counting down from 7.30. Tara tells her, be back before dawn. Uh, before dawn. You get only it, have guys? one episode. You guys, you guys get it? Get it? You guys get it? Dawn's coming. Dawn. Dawn. Joyce is in the wall, which is a metaphor for their relationship this season. But, you know, we've barely seen Joyce. Mm -hmm. Um, She's just kind of been in the background here or there. Yeah. And I also love the little detail at the end of like, oh, you could probably get me out of here. And then she doesn't. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, that's heartbreaking. Buffy's in the initiative uh, where Riley keeps referring to her as a killer. Mm -hmm. And Adam's there as a human. Yeah. Uh, which I had to find in trivia. I did not recognize. I didn't understand what was going I, on. Here. I never do at first. And then I keep thinking, like, literally every time I've seen this episode, which is probably, I don't know, three, four times at this point, I keep thinking, why the hell is Riley in a room with some random dude? Mm-hmm. This doesn't make any sense. And I'm, like, angry about it. Until it does near, not look like Adam. Until near the end of the, uh, the of the scene, I'm, like, looking at him and it's like, you know what? It's got to be somebody that we know who is roughly the same size and has kind of similar. It's Adam. I would never get it. Mm-hmm. it I just don't think it looks like him. It must yeah. be all the added stuff they put on him. Yeah, Cause he those. looks, I mean like just frankly in the scene, he looks skinny. Yeah. Well, but yeah I'm like, yeah. would where, you know, Adam was lumpy. <laughs> it must be all the prosthetics. We got to put that floppy drive in somewhere. <laughs> get another shot from the opening credits next season. The gun and Riley and the table. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Riley consistently calling Buffy a killer fits in with this whole everyone Mm -hmm. telling her, you know, your friends are gone, that you're a slayer, that's your thing, and her pushing back again. Riley's looking for world domination, coffee makers that make, coffee makers that think, which I think, Mm -hmm. again, Buffy's still kind of 
on the fence about Riley. As much as she loves him, I think she's still like, part of him is always going to be owned by the army. And I'm not really trusting that part. No matter how much she thinks he's changed, he is a product of the initiative and Mm -hmm. Maggie Walsh. Exactly. Adam says that all humans are aggressive, but Buffy and Adam acquired their extra supply from a magical means to which Buffy insists that she's not a demon. And I don't think she's that sure. Mm. It's a little bit me, me thinks the lady doth protest too much. Mm-hmm. I think she's worried about it. The initiative is under attack. I love that they say, we better build a fort. I'll get the pillows. Yep. Buffy's weapon bag is filled with mud. Mm-hmm. Which looks a little bit like oatmeal when she first opens it, which mm. I think would have been much funnier. <laughs> but the mud represents the primal power of the slayer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and rubbing that on her face is her realizing like, this is my weapon. Oh, I thought she just wanted like a facial. I mean, it's good for your skin. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she's reaching in, looking for crossbow, a stake, yeah. and her ultimate power is the fact that she's the slayer. When Riley sees this, he rejects her, which is something she obviously worries about. Buffy walks into the desert where she says, never going to find them here. Um, Buffy says she's not alone. I always liked this speech. I walk, I talk, I shop, I sneeze. I'm going to be a fireman when the floods roll back. There's trees in the desert since you moved out and I don't sleep on a bed of bones. For some reason, the line that I always focus on Mm -hmm. and that maybe confuses me the most is I'm going to be a fireman when the flood rolls back. What does that mean? I get my my initial interpretation, my initial thought on it is like there there's always going be, to be the need for the heroism, the 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 act of being the slayer even if there's been some like tremendous victory or some tremendous change, you'll always need that kind of person mm. or that kind of actor like in an even more basic level, even when you think there's too much of something Things may always change and you need something else or there there's always going to be a new problem to face. Hmm. And there's I think there's a lot of ways to interpret it. Like, there's always, there's just something about the cadence of that mm-hmm. line that I've always latched onto. There's yeah. just that line. I don't even know what it is about it that I've always loved. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be a fireman when the floods roll back yeah. without having any idea what that means. You ever dance with the devil in the pale moonlight? That it's, it's the, it's the yeah. same idea that I'm like, oh, gosh, that sounds cool. Yeah. Like, that must mean something. <laughs> and the cheese man is there again. Mm-hmm. Well, I also love the picture that comes to life. Mm-hmm. That, I really like that yeah. effect. Very uh, Stephen King's it. So again, it, this all boils down to everyone telling Buffy she's alone and her insisting, I'm not. I have yeah. friends and I'm more than just this mystical force that mm-hmm. someone forced into me. There's yeah. more to me than that. Which is nice because there's there's a lot of things in earlier seasons about her having to embrace being the Slayer. Right. And now to have her embrace, like, I am not just the Slayer. Is, yeah. I really like that, that, that. I appreciate that. Yeah. Otherwise, it kind of sucks. This idea that, like, mm. before you were called, yeah. you were one person and then that person doesn't matter anymore. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, that's. That's awful. Yeah. Like, I'm still a human being. I'm still yeah. me. This yeah. is just now another part of me. This. Yeah. So Buffy and the first layer fight, and it is a good one, man. <laughs> the choreography yeah. here is awesome. Mm-hmm. And even just, like, the very practical thing of them, like, being on location, just rolling down this giant hill is really yeah. cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Again, it's the same thing with Buffy and Faith fight. It's just mm. not often does she fight someone, like, at equal skill. 
Yeah. Buffy wakes up in the living room, but wait, it's still a dream. Whoa. The first layer stabs her, but she just kind of roll her, rolls her yeah. eyes. She's done I with like it yeah. at this point. They all wake up. Xander is now super uncomfortable around Joyce. <laughs> As Buffy goes upstairs to take a shower, she stops at Dawn's room. And we hear Tara's line, you think you know what's to come, what you are. You haven't even begun. Boom, boom, boom. So what do you think about this one? I think it was all a dream. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's my theory. Uh, no, I really like it. And I like it just uh, aside from on its own like feet as an individual episode. I love the idea of this being a season finale. Mm. It's very different and kind of I feel like it does a great job, even if there are some elements that I don't feel pay off incredibly well. It does a great job of setting up the next season and making mm. it feel like there's something that's going to be different about next season. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. There's something that's going to, that I should be prepared for. And that like allowing you to recontextualize the show is a, is a cool move for a season finale. That's interesting. I never thought about it that way. Um, this is something that I found really interesting the first time I watched it. Mm-hmm. And honestly, since then have, since then has, have found it annoying. Hmm. I don't know. I honestly don't know why I find this just kind of huh. a little hoity toity, hmm. a little too, a little too non practical hmm. to me. Just a, just a little bit annoying. Yeah. Um, do you feel like it's pretentious in a way? Yeah. Okay. Yes. That is a good word. Yeah. Yeah. Part of me feels that this is pretty pretentious. Mm-hmm. And that's coming from someone who love. I love Joss's dream mm-hmm. scenes. We don't a want whole- a dream episode. Yeah, it kind of gives me a headache. Mm, <laughs> it's like okay. I can't uh, where everything means something. And I mm-hmm. the articles that you read where people dissect every single word when that's not a dream. Sometimes you dream that your cat is eating, yeah. you know, a live fish because I don't know. So you have a lot of problems with your parents? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, right. It's, it's that shit where you're like, no, I don't. Or like rain in a dream means something. No, it means it rained today. That's yeah. what it means. Yeah. That that is exactly what that means. Well, that I've always found like weird and an odd thing for people to believe that. Oh, this means this in a dream. It's like what well, it could. Yeah. It's it my could brain. Mean something else. It's yeah. my brain. And there's a lot of stuff in Buffy that I can see being like, oh yeah, I can see why they would mm-hmm. be thinking why Xander yeah. would be thinking about the initiative or the army. Mm-hmm. Because we just had a whole season of yeah. that. Of course it did. But the the way some people get really deep about mm-hmm. it, that I'm like, oh, it's just it makes yeah. me roll my eyes. And I'm like, I, Ugh. I feel like I, I might agree with you if it were at the end of any other season. That's fair. And the, I, yeah. I never considered it as you're right. I feel like with some big changes we're getting mm-hmm. next season, I understand that like maybe we do need some prep of yeah. like, hey, you got to be starting to be thinking about big changes here mm-hmm. um to go straight into season five might be a little jarring yeah yeah and yeah i think also just like it's nice to have an episode that you can when you read into it actually be a rewarding experience whereas anything involving adam the more you read into it the more frustrating and angering it Fair. gets. Mm-hmm. um i do i mean that's just as reading into this it while it makes sense and like you you read mm-hmm. a lot of interpretations that you're like okay I get that I don't find it rewarding mm. I find it just again kind of annoying yeah well and you know something else you might be annoyed by hmm. this is the first finale episode that is not featured Cordelia or Angel oh I mean that makes sense yeah 
Although they originally wanted a bunch more people from the cast to be in the dreams. I mean, and that also makes sense. Yeah. The second Aj is up, you're like, oh yeah, that would be a thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, and originally, like, you know how throughout the dreams, uh, um, uh, Tara kind of is a dream guide, especially like at the end, it's super obvious that she's sure. like the voice of the Slayer. Those parts were all originally going to be Angel as oh, the guide. Oh, interesting. Um, and then, yeah, uh, other people were going to be in there. Like Cordelia was going to be in a lot of like the Willow's dream. In the high, high school. schooly stuff. That yeah. would make total sense. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. I would have liked that. Mm-hmm. Buffy seeing Adam without his makeup on is like, well, how? How does she know what that would look like? Right. Is I that mean, just her best guess? Yeah. Now it's time to celebrate Buffy's badassery with this week's Slay of the Week. How am I guess? Graham shooting all the demons. Okay. Let that character go out and bang. Sure, we're going to see him again. I don't care. I, I like Graham. Yeah. Graham. Graham. And I just, I just, like in this whole scene of like, and there's nothing happening. There's nothing happening. Oh, look, Graham. You know what? Okay, actually nothing happening. Even though it's not permanent, mm-hmm. I love the gore of the way the Slayer uh, kills Giles. The blood waterfall. Yeah. I like that. So I, I'm going to change it. That's going to be my okay. slay of the week. I was, I was, I wanted to do the first layer in Buffy, but then that's just a fight. Yeah. No, it's not a slay. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I'm saying Graham kicking ass. Woo. So are we ready now that we've spent some time in the dream world to go international? Buffy Tapaja, Vampirit. Ernie Dragon, Das Rhein de Fleisch Canoe. Future Rifle, International. Primeval? Not necessarily the craziest titles, but I feel like they are both more accurately um, or would be more appropriate as titles to Steven Seagal films. Oh, I'm so excited. Uh, The French one, Final Phase. Yeah. The German title, The Last Stand, starring Steven Seagal. Doesn't that feel more like that's what those titles should be? Yes, but now I'm suddenly realizing that the title Primeval makes more sense for Restless than it does for Primeval. Yeah. Because they use the word Primeval in Restless a bunch. Because I used it in my notes a bunch. That's where I got it from. Primeval, the episode, should have way more to do about enjoining, combining forces. Mm -hmm. Well, they're touching into the Primeval thing, but that is weird because that's like one small aspect of a super overloaded episode. Yeah. As opposed to like Restless where, yeah, Primeval would make a lot more sense. But I guess Restless is easier to think like, oh, wait, that's the one where they're all they're trying to rest in. So for Restless, French title, pretty on the nose, Nightmare. What do they call nightmares? Uh, I don't know, probably uh, the other nightmare. Dreamscapes. All right. Um, Portuguese, Unrest. Pretty much the same. Mm -hmm. But leave it to the Germans. Love it. Saving us again. Do it. To each his nightmare. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Great. <laughs> Which again, it's one of those ones. I'm it's sure... actually for Germans, fairly poetic. Yeah. And like, yeah, that, that I'm sure that makes a lot more sense. That's a common phrase in German, probably. But just like to each his nightmare. <laughs> I like that. I like. I mean, it's 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 yeah. pretty. It's a fun. In celebration of the ending of season four. I know, right? Definitely (laughs) celebrating. It is time to award the season four yearbook awards. Michael, what, who did you award as the biggest party animal? I would say, because they're sometimes literally an animal. Okay. And they definitely like to party. Veruca. Sure. Yeah, she definitely, she's good to get down. Oh, yeah. Uh, I said Ethan Rain. 
<laughs> he can throw back a few. Oh yeah, yeah, he definitely. And then he just he it's it's like frat boys when they shave mm-hmm. your eyebrows when you fall asleep. He but just gives you a roofie. Yeah, a mystical ju- roofie. Yeah, it turns you into a giant monster. That's yeah. like. And then imagine if you then drawn some like dicks on. Yes, I wish you had done that. Oh my god, Mike! <laughs> oh, oh, I want to, I want somebody at some point with like millions of dollars to spare to just make an edit of that episode where they digitally add in dicks drawn on Giles. Yes, face. that is totally appropriate. Oh. And who did you award best couple? By my joke answer, Riley and Maggie Walsh. Yeah. Oh, oh but semi-appropriate. Um, but my actual answer, because I feel like even though they had some tough times, again, I'm framing it this season only. Sure. Buffy and Riley. I feel like they, they do a great job of like like learning how to be a couple. And then once they're kind of an established couple, dealing with issues and really like being, you know, supportive and understanding, even though they definitely have their different issues. And they do they care for each other, which is very sweet. For similar reasons, I chose Willow and Tara. That was definitely in the running for me. I like the long-term, slow Mm -hmm. development of this relationship and how it takes a while to become official girlfriend status. Mm -hmm. Um, And I enjoyed, I enjoyed the metaphors and the and the the easing the audience Mm -hmm. into um, these feelings, just as Willow was easing into what are these new feelings. And also they worked through some issues such as when Oz came to town, Mm -hmm. I really liked Tara's um, respect for Willow's feelings and Willow's respect for hers and how they dealt Mm -hmm. with that together. Willow and Tara, boring answer. Yeah. I mean, I feel like those, (laughs) those are probably the two answers that, like would make the most sense runner up giles and olivia just because i want more that's the couple i wanted to be the best yeah, I know. who did you have for worst dressed adam's leg <laughs> parker's eyebrows <laughs> <laughs> equally good answer <laughs> about best dressed uh well it's always giles but uh aside from giles who's always the best dressed i don't care what you say sure um, i'm gonna say the gentleman fair good answer sharp very bespoke nasty looking villains i like that answer Mm -hmm. i had faith oh because we just know i like her sense of style and especially like when we before she showed up we had so many hippie skirts Mm -hmm. that it was nice to see some pleather in the mix i enjoyed that fucking pants yeah it'd be great got the combat combat boots that's all very practical Mm -hmm. yeah Plus, it's also nice that she's only a couple episodes, so there's no, like, random outliers of, like, one outfit that's like, whoa, whoa, yeah. what's that? And if I've been in a coma for a year, I'm I'm going to one dress up a little bit. Yeah, Do absolutely. my hair and makeup look really good? Who did you choose as most likely to be famous? I would say Jonathan. Yeah. he was world famous. He was a superstar. <laughs> that's a good answer. Mm-hmm. I said Giles as a rock star. Oh. Because that man can sing. Mm-hmm. I would let him sing exposition to me every night. Yeah, right. Who did you name most likely to succeed? This one may seem weird because you could definitely argue the opposite that like, oh, but he just keeps failing. But here's the thing. Never gives up. Okay. And he should have failed much harder. Okay. He should not even be alive. Spike. Okay. Because like, by all means, after all the things that have happened to him this season, he should not be around anymore. But he is likely to succeed because he will find a way. 
interesting. I also named Spike, <gasps> but mostly because of the Yoko factor. Because, because mm-hmm. man, that boy can manipulate. He did very He's well. He's going to do so well in politics. Mm-hmm. Ooh, yeah, President Spike. It's going to happen, right? <laughs> I can see him be like, you know, chip or no chip, man. I'm going to control everybody. Mm-hmm. The season four award for class clown goes to. Ethan Red. He was very funny to he's me. Delightfully he's delightfully funny. He's he always is. humorous. And I feel like he had, even though I was tempted to go Giles just because he also had in his own way a lot of the like kind of side eye remarks and a similar tone, Anya, especially with the Restless episode. Mm-hmm. I mean, Ethan Rain, just because he was the most consistent and like just like for the time he was there, just like cutting weird little jokes and mm-hmm. just being like a little, a little sly devil. I enjoy him. Uh, I, class clown is definitely Adam. Mm. By the way, you're wrong. It's Adam because he's just a clown. He's a class fool. Yeah, he's he's ridiculous. Although honorable mention to the gentleman because they're always smiling. They are. Most improved goes to? I'm going to say Anya. Okay. Because I feel like she's done a lot to really become like not only just believable as a human being, but just mm-hmm. like a better person in general. She even was able to open up and admit that she loves Xander. I which, like it. Interestingly, he was not able to reciprocate. Very true. Uh, I chose Willow mm. because the beginning of the season, she starts out, she wants mm. to try more magic, but she's not doing well with it. Her boyfriend leaves her and she's an emotional wreck. And then she really improves. Mm. And she not only improves in magic, but also just becomes more emotionally stable mm-hmm. and a stronger human being. Yeah. Runner up goes to Faith. Because it only took an episode, but man, did she improve? Yeah, yeah. I guess, I guess that one, since a lot of the further development was on Angel, I, I can't, I just can't count it in my own very nitpicky way. Okay, so all of her development happened in ten minutes, but man, did I love watching that ten minutes. <laughs> Let's watch it again right now. Yes, do it. What is your least favorite episode of season four? So this one was very close. It's two episodes right next to each other, and I don't think you'll be surprised. Very initiative, heavy episodes. Hmm. But the one I finally gave it to was Goodbye, Iowa. Because I felt like there was nothing remarkable about that episode. Right. And it was a lot of initiative nonsense. Because even though um there's a lot of problems with Primeval as basically what you typically consider the finale, even though it's not technically the finale, mm-hmm. there's a lot of problems with it. And also because it is... A finale-like episode has a lot of the the production and just like villains getting destroyed and um big massive moments to at least make it a lot more watchable. Like Goodbye Iowa, I had to look at my notes to even like remember exactly which one was that and which one was the Iron Team. Mm. Looking it over, I can't remember anything that I really loved about it. There were some things that were okay, but it was mostly just initiative nonsense. I feel the same way about Good What Good. By Iowa, that it was just kind of okay and forgetful, which mm-hmm. I think is more forgivable than primeval, which I actively despise. Okay, I can I can see that. I I I don't have as strong a negative reaction. I think just because I like the closure of it. No, that, I hate primeval. I hate it so much. I can tell. Like was, it's still an. Let, let me be clear when I yeah. talk about when I hate episodes of Buffy or hate things on Buffy. Mm-hmm. It's still Buffy. Yes. So really, I love it. Yeah. But on the scale of my Buffy love. Mm-hmm. If my Buffy love starts at a 10 and goes to a 20, this is a 10. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a zero. Mm-hmm. It's still Buffy. But compared to the awesomeness that is the rest of Buffy, blah. Yeah. And the season four yearbook award for a favorite episode goes to? 
This one is so tough because there's so many good single episodes. There are. Well, some honorable mentions. Okay. Um, if we were able to do the two-parter, I might say um, the Faith two-parter, but I don't like doing two-parters. That feels like cheating. So I would say Who Are You is a definite contender for me. Really like Fear Itself. Mm-hmm. That was another high one. But the one I finally have to give it to, and I know it's kind of cliched, but it's just a single episode of television that is not only great and representative of the show, but I think just a great episode of television that anybody could watch mm-hmm. is Hush. And I feel like if there is an episode of a season that is so good, you don't even have to know what the fuck is going on going into it mm-hmm. and still get stuff out of it. I just, I just can't not, not vote for that. My runner up was Hush. Yeah. Which was hard, but it's, it's, I mean, it is a very good episode, but I do not get the geeky adrenaline rush squealy. I love it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to dance in my chair thrill. That I get out of watching Who Are You? Yep. I, I, I assume that was going to be yours. Just, so just from my fun. memories of recording that episode of it's the podcast. It's so good, Mike. It's so good. No, that one is, is definitely just a great. And I, even though like it's, it's not saying anything against the first part, first part is definitely a lot of buildup to the second part, <laughs> but that's totally justifiable because the second part is super awesome. Right. Oh, God. Mm-hmm. I love it. Let's watch it again. We would now like to take a moment and remember those we've lost this season. Sunday the Vampire. <laughs> Kathy Roommate. Will you remember me? Forrest. <laughs> On some level, Ethan Rain, because he's not dead, but we're never going to see him again. <laughs> On some level, Oz, because he's not dead, but we're not going to see him again. <laughs> I mean, that's interesting that this season, there's really not a big, I mean, like Forrest is the big loss, right? I guess, you, yeah, you'd argue it's either Forrest or Maggie Walsh, depending on which. Oh, I forgot right. Maggie Walsh. That's <laughs> 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 fine. But she came back as a zombie. We didn't see. Did we see her? I think we saw her die. Well, we saw the tubes get pulled out, and then they just fell. They could still be just, like, crawling around in there. Gross. Ew. Yeah, I guess Maggie Walsh was supposed to be the big death of the season. That's funny that I didn't even register it. That says a lot about That's what I was going to say about this season, that none of these are, like, you know, like, you do season two, and I'm like, oh, fuck Angel. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. Season three, you're like, I mean, the mayor was bad, but still. But, like, I don't want to... Season like, four, I'm like, whatever. Yeah. There's no death. I was like, aw. There was like, Oz leaving was, aw. Yeah, that's just it. I was like, oh, the big, like, in memoriam was like, but Oz. Yeah. <laughs> Oz's appearances on the show is the greatest death. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for tuning in to the Sunnydale Stacks. Please like us on Facebook. Look for us on Twitter and Instagram at Sunnydale Stacks to ask us questions or share your own opinions and memories about Buffy the Vampire Slayer. The Sunnydale Stacks is a part of the 27th Letter Productions Network. Look for our sister podcast, Hey Do You Remember, and join us next time when we dust off Buffy vs. Dracula and The Real Me when we get lost in the Sunnydale Stacks.